0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, grab your Bibles if you have one. If not, we're going to have it on uh, this screen above. We're, we're, we're going through a sermon series called Christmas Isn't Cancelled. Um, and before you kind of think too much about it, the idea is just to think about oftentimes how we end up canceling Christmas based upon maybe our fears, our worries, our struggles, our difficulties, or things like that. Regardless of what goes on around us, Christmas will still continue. To happen. Matter of fact, as I thought about this uh, today, we're going to be talking about fear, obviously based upon the uh, Home Alone skit. Matter of fact, this uh, or, or, or video, uh, this last week I've been reminded of some of my favorite Christmas movies. I don't know how your family rolls, but once Christmas time, time comes around, we start to watch more Christmas movies. Um, some of those uh, things like Home Alone, Santa Claus, others like Christmas Vacation. Um, I've still never seen It's a Wonderful Life, so don't crucify me. But I've had people go, oh, how have you not watched it? It's the greatest ever. I don't know. It's black and white. Um, <laughs> I struggle watching older movies. But all of us have things that we can worry about, we can fret over, we can be afraid. I kind of want you to think about where where were you or what, what situation or circumstance were you in when you were afraid? What was it? I mean, maybe it was a kid. Maybe you'd sit back and go, oh, I haven't been afraid since I was a kid. That may be true. There may be other times, situations, or circumstances where you say, heck yeah, here's where I was afraid. You know, for me, one of the things, and I've, I've shared this with those who have been here for a while, but growing up in Wyoming, that's why, for those of you who don't know why I'm a Broncos fan, all right, but growing up in Wyoming, living out there, one of the times we went hunting about six years ago, my dad and I, and we got an elk down 2.8 miles from our cabin. We get it down, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I put the antlers on my back, right, and I start to hoof it out to go back to our cabin, and it gets dark. Now, we got mountain lions and bears up there, and when it's dark, everything becomes magnified, like every sound. And so every snap of a twig, every branch that went off was like, what is that? I've got a dead animal on my back. All I'm doing is like, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. You know, like, right, like the <laughs> cat. I mean, like, that's all I could think of. And so, as an adult, I'm sitting here going, "Man, I am not liking this situation whatsoever." And there was a little bit of, of fear that rises. And here's what was going on: as I prepared for this, did you know that in the two Christmas stories or the two narratives in Matthew and Luke, that there are four statements that come from an angel, the angel of the Lord that tells the people involved not to be afraid, right? In today's world, or in, in, I would say, in every circumstance, in every situation, most of us have dealt with fear. And what we see in these sections of scripture is that fear was a normal, everyday thing in the lives of these individuals. And so today, I really want to deal with that. And What's it mean to not be afraid, right? Because When we allow fear to overcome us, we may miss out on the blessing of what God is attempting to do in our life. I want you to think about that. Every time I give in to fear, it may be an opportunity to miss out on the blessing that God wants to do in my life. Like if I allow fear to stop me from moving in the direction God wants me to go, then I miss out on the very blessing that he wants to pour out in me or to me in that situation. And so we're going to look at these four fear-nots that happen in Scripture. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and 2. So four times in the Christmas narrative in Matthew and Luke, we hear the phrase, do not be afraid or fear not. Luke chapter 1 verse 13, it says, the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was later on, we know or or are told, Zechariah would be Jesus's uncle, if we want to call it that. So he appears to Zechariah in this in this situation, and it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he tells him, Don't be afraid. All right. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and she and he says to her, Do not be afraid. An angel appears to Joseph in his dream in Matthew chapter one. And he says, Do not be afraid, Joseph. And then the last one is when the white wi- or not the wise men, sorry, the shepherds are out in the field. And it says the glory of the Lord shone around him. And they said, Do not be afraid. The angel of the Lord comes to the shepherds and says, Do not be afraid. And so today, as we jump in and think about this, I want us to really try and evaluate our lives. How do I deal with or how do I make sure that fear doesn't stop me from doing exactly what God has called me to do? Right? Because I, I, let's, let's be honest, there are some bold things that happen throughout Scripture in the lives of these individuals who when they obey God, God calls them to do crazy things at times. Like he calls them to do amazing things, extraordinary things that if I gave into fear would miss out on exactly what God wanted to accomplish. If you think about uh, whether it's Abraham leaving his land to go to an unknown land at the time, right? Like, I mean, could you imagine God showing up? Fathers, hey, I want you to move. Okay, where am I going to move to? I'll show you once you move. Wait, what? Like, that doesn't happen. Like, I don't move unless I know where I'm going, right? Like, I'm not packing everything up, loading it in a U-Haul and just going to drive around the United States But that's really what he does. Hey, Abraham, I want you to pack up everything, get on the move, and go. Or when he comes to Moses, he says, Moses, I want you to go, and I want you to lead my people out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses, I love Moses. There are five times where Moses basically calls into question God. Like, can't you send somebody else? Like, I'm pretty sure I know somebody who's way better qualified than me to do that. God, why are you asking me to do it? Right, And so as we look at each one of these situations, these scenarios, I want to ask you or you would begin to ask yourself, what's it look like to not live in fear? See, any one of us in any of these situations I believe would be afraid because fear is a normal thing and it can oftentimes be overwhelming in our lives. Fear can lead us to places of change. It can lead us to growth. It can lead us to influence, but it can also choke out the faith in our hearts and lead us into a downward spiral of disobedience. So there are two ways that we respond. So if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. This is the key statement for today. This Christmas, we need less crisis and more Christ, right? Fear leads us into a place of crisis, and we need less crisis and more Christ in our life. I need to not be worried about all the situations and circumstances that are beyond my control. This is why, and I'll say this just to let you know, this is why I'm trying to encourage people to stop listening to social media and the news, okay? I mean, let's be realistic. The more news you watch and the more social media you take in, the more you're going to freak out and fear. I'm just, I mean, come on. All they do is report bad stuff because the bad stuff is what sells everybody, You know, I joke about this, but every Friday night on CBS, 530, we watch, I don't watch news much, but I love to watch at the end of the CBS news, the national news, 530 Friday nights because they got on the road with Steve Hartman. And Steve Hartman always tries to remain positive. He like tries to find the unwritten story that nobody else is talking about, and it's about the goodwill of the people. And nobody ever communicates that. We communicate all the Debbie Downer, all the hate. All the violence, all the evil, and while those things are prevalent, one of the struggles is if we let those things constantly influence us, then fear is always going to be the response. We're not going to let our kids out of our sight because we're afraid of what somebody could do. We're not going to let our kids expand their borders and begin to learn to follow God on their own because we're afraid that they may make the wrong decision. We have to prepare our kids and we have to prepare ourselves to live in the midst of those things but not give in to fear. So this Christmas, we need less crisis and more Christ. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to look at each one of these situations, and we're going to just make a statement about these situations. Number one, in Luke chapter one, and I'm going to read just very simply, real quick, Luke chapter one, starting in verse 11. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense, and this is appearing to Zechariah. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. No offense. No offense. If an angel of the Lord shows up in your life, you're going to be, I don't know, maybe change your diapers. I don't know, <laughs> right? Like, if this shows up, this is not something that just all of a sudden, oh, hey, look, it's just a weird dude. It's, it's, this is a legitimate, the angel of the Lord, somebody who's been in the presence of the Lord at this point. And it says, when Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, "'Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John, and he will be joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth.'" And then in verse 18, it says, "'Zachariah asked the angel, how can this be? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years.'" And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now, Zechariah, you're going to be silent until your son is born because you didn't believe me. Now, here's the statement I want to make on this. When we talk about fear, God answers our prayers, but we have to trust him. So here's the situation that happens with Zachariah, right? Him and his wife have been praying for kids so long that they've gotten old. I, all it says is they're well along in years. We don't know the age, but, but it's beyond the, the point of, of thinking that a person is going to bear or give birth. Matter of fact, I read uh, uh, two weeks ago, I saw a story, I don't know if you read about this, 63-year-old women who gave birth. I mean, no offense, my mom is almost 70. I could not imagine my mom being seven years younger and giving birth. I'd be like, mom, you know what causes that, right? <laughs> right? That would be weird. Like I'm in my 40s and all of a sudden I have a brother who's 40 years younger than me. Like they talk about awkward. But here it is, Zachariah and Sarah are, have been praying for years to have a child. There's been no answered prayer, none, because God's timing is always different. And here's what I want to encourage you with when we think about fear, is that when God is wanting to do something, he does it in his time, not your time. And So there may be something in your life that you've been praying about for years. It may be a, a loved one who you don't have a relationship with anymore. It may be a broken relationship with somebody else. It may be somebody who you know doesn't know Jesus and you've been praying for them and you're hoping they come to faith in Christ. God answers our prayers, but he does it in his time and we have to trust him. And that's exactly what Zechariah gets, right? Zechariah is forced into or, or is no longer going to speak now for nine months because he didn't trust, he didn't believe. And here's what's crazy as I, as I think about this, right? This angel shows up. zechariah has been the guy who's going to go in. This angel shows up, and it's an angel who's been at the side of the Lord. And he shows up, and he tells Zachariah exactly what's going to happen and what happens with Zachariah. Mm, how's that going to happen? That's like impossible. You're, you're telling me that something's going to happen when it hasn't happened all these years that I've been praying for? And now all of a sudden it's going to happen? How's this going to happen? And so it really leads them into a crisis. Who knows how long they've been praying, but the news startled Zachariah. And so when we think about this, how long have you been praying? You have to begin to think that whatever it is, it may look impossible in my life, but God wants to answer the impossible with what is possible. His inability to speak was a punishment for his unbelief, but it was also a sign, listen, a sign of the confirmation of Gabriel's message, right? That that John, the son that was going to be coming, would be the one who would prepare the way for the Lord, the one who would go out and proclaim the good news of the Messiah, the one who was going to do some great works in the midst of those people, the one who, when Jesus is born and later comes down to get baptized, the one who would baptize Jesus. Right, So God answers our prayers, and we have to learn to trust him. So when we talk about this Christmas, we need less crisis and more Christ. Can I encourage you to do something? When you're in a crisis, do you know what you need to do? You got to pray about it. Most of us, and listen, I'm right there with every one of us here in this room. Usually the way I handle a crisis is I get mad I get frustrated, I complain, I try and do whatever I can in my power to begin to try and correct whatever the crisis is, right? When the truth of the matter is, some of the first response should be is that we pray about it. Why? Because God answers my prayers and he'll answer my prayers in his timing and in his way. Number two, I want us to see this. When we talk about this Christmas, we need less crisis and more Christ. I want you to see this, that God's favor for his children is for our benefit. Right, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, do you know what you have? God's favor. God pours out His Spirit upon you. He gives you wisdom to make the right decisions. He's going to point you in the right direction. It doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. That you're not going to have any problems or any difficulties. What it does mean, though, is that God is going to go before you. That God is going to walk beside you. And so, as we jump into Luke chapter one, one of the things we can see when it's talking about in verse 26, is the story of Mary. And it says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel to the... Sorry, let me find my spot here. I just lost my place here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this must be, but the angel said to her, and listen to what he he says, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So here's what the angel says, right? Mary... You have the favor of the Lord upon you. Now, for each of us, we can know, number one, my wife didn't bear a son named Jesus. And my son, I can guarantee you, doesn't carry the characteristic traits of Jesus, right? Like, none of us have that problem of looking at our son and going, man, he might be the savior of the world. So Mary receives a special portion of favor from God. It's a supernatural thing that God pours out. But what I want us to see in this situation is this, that God favors his children. God has a special favor for those he has redeemed, those he has bought, those he has purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he pours out his favor upon us. And so for us to begin to understand that, that God's favor is for our benefit that he begins to put us in situations and scenarios where we benefit in every opportunity, whether it's acts of service, that we get to see God work in the lives of other people around us, whether it's in giving. Like, I mean, Chris, think about Christmas. All of us are, are planning what to give, but can I tell you something that I've been blown away? Like on social media, I'm in a couple of groups, and one's like an independence community awareness and things like that. But at Christmas time, I begin to think, what can I give my kids that, that they really, I mean, yes, they need, but also what do they want? And I go on to that independence community awareness, and I read the lives of people who are like, I have nothing, and here's what I would love to give my kids. And it's things that I'm like, well, I give my kids that every week. Because I take for granted everything that I have. And I take for granted what the Lord has blessed me with. And I take for granted those who are around me, and I think, oh, everybody's got these things. God's favor is for his children, and it's for our benefit. And when I give, and I sacrificially give, and I love, and I serve, and I help those in need, then I get to reap the benefits of watching God work in somebody else's life. That's a benefit that I'm talking about. Right? When I take the next step, because here, here's what we have to begin to understand. Mary, in no doubt and in no way, I would say, if, if somebody was to show up, if an angel was to show up at your wife's side, you're pledged to be married to this man, to let you know a little bit about Hebrew custom, what would happen is they would be pledged to be married. It's a lot more than our engagement. Like, we're like, oh, yeah, we're engaged, right? But when somebody was pledged to be married or betrothed to one another, it was they were married, but yet they hadn't physically consummated the marriage. So there's this year-long process that goes on where the husband begins to provide for his wife. He begins to build this house. He begins to work and do everything he can to provide for the wife he's going to bring home. And then there's going to be this physical consummation, the wedding ceremony, and then it'll be on. Mary is betrothed or committed to Joseph, and finds out now that she's going to be pregnant supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's why she would be afraid. You just told me I'm pregnant, I've never been with another man, and I'm going to be looked at as an outcast in society. But God's favor for His children is for His benefit. Because what Mary finds out is the very baby that she's going to be carrying is the Savior of the world, the Messiah that they were expecting. And so we experience the blessing and the favor of the Lord when we allow him to work in us and through us. And listen to what Mary says. And here's what's awesome about how Mary is told this. The angel begins to spell out exactly what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and he begins to say what's taking place. And then in verse 38, Mary says this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And that's exactly what the Lord wants us to face. When he wants to pour out his favor is that we say, Lord, I'm your servant. May it be exactly as you said to me. That I can experience the favor for my benefit and for your glory that I can make much of who you are in your name. May I experience the favor of the Lord in every way. Number three, or the third narrative, or the third part of the story or fear is this. Joseph, who was a righteous man, Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18, says this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now here's where Joseph begins to show his fear. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here's the fear that kind of rises up, right? Mo- or Sorry, Moses. Joseph knew how people would look at Mary and how people would look at him. And he didn't want to disgrace Mary. He didn't want to leave her on the side. So he says, I'm just going to divorce her quietly, and in the midst of this divorce idea, Joseph goes to sleep and he has a dream. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream. And it says in verse 21 he says, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So here's what the angel says Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about what everybody else thinks. Don't be afraid about what's going to happen. Don't be afraid about the future that you guys are going to face. Don't be afraid of how you're going to make this work. Don't be afraid about or worried about explaining things. See, Joseph was a righteous man and knew what others would think. For Mary not to suffer public humiliation, he wants to do it quietly. But I also want you to see this, that this shows Joseph's love for Mary. Now, Here's what I want you to think about. How oftentimes do we get worried about what others think about us? Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's, oh, I don't want to say anything right now because I don't want to upset them. Maybe I don't want to speak out. I don't want to speak truth. I don't want to encourage them. I don't want to throw any Jesus on there. Don't let me talk about God. Don't don't worry about any of that. See, Joseph's fear has turned into great hope because they're they're to name the boy Jesus. He goes out and says that. And he will save his people from their sins. So it says in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet had said or what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here's Joseph's key thought, the key takeaway that God works in our lives to show others great hope. See, Joseph in the midst of that had great fear over what could happen as a result. What are people going to think? How are they going to look at me and Mary? How are they going to look at our relationship? And instead, what he begins to see is that God works in our lives to show others the great hope. God's work in our lives shows others the great hope of Jesus in that. And that's exactly what happens. When Joseph begins to hear the words of the angel, he's reminded some 700 years earlier of the prophet Isaiah who said, here's what's going to happen. The savior of the world, the Messiah is going to come through a virgin born birth. And Joseph would be reminded that, hey, guess what? God's going to work in my life to show others the great hope of Jesus. And that's exactly what he calls each and every one of us to do. Right As God works in my life, he changes me from what I was to who I'm supposed to be. He corrects in me what I need to be corrected. He rebukes what needs to be rebuked. He trains me in the ways of righteousness, and and he, he teaches me to walk in obedience to him. And so he does that so that we can show the hope of others. Do you want to know why most people are fearful today, especially in the midst of all the COVID stuff and all the evil and hate that seems to be going on? You want to know why most people are fee- fearful? Because there's no hope. They think there's no hope. They look at the world and go, oh my gosh, if this is all I got to leave my kids, what is this? But God's work in our lives shows others there is great hope, and we have to be people of hope. As a matter of fact, that's what we just did in our first Peter sermon series. When the Holy Spirit works in our lives, as we see in this... Story with Joseph, the only thing we can do is be obedient. And here's what's crazy in verse 24. When Joseph woke up from the dream, here's what he said he did. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife, right? So God's work in his life shows others the great hope because Joseph doesn't divorce her. He didn't care about what everybody else said. And he allowed the Lord to work in and through him in obedience. And number four, and I'm going to wrap up with this God gives us good news and great joy to be shared. So if you were to flip over to Luke chapter 2, it says this And there were angels living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you you good news of great joy that will be for all people, all people, regardless of race, regardless of nation, regardless of language, regardless of their past, regardless of the struggles, regardless of the difficulties, regardless of what they've done. And this is a hard thing for us to grasp because oftentimes we like to look at people and go, well, yeah, but look at what they did. They did this, 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 and this. And Jesus died on the cross for everyone, regardless. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Regardless of what they've done, Jesus paid the price. And so God gives us this good news of great joy that is for all people, that is to be shared. Look at what happens in verse 13 of chapter 2. Right? It says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What's it say? Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Go back to number two, where we talk about God's favor. The favor of the Lord rests upon you when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And peace comes to you when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what I'll be honest with you over the last couple years with everything with COVID. As believers, when we don't allow peace to rule, we show what's ruling our heart. Because the truth of the matter is, regardless of what you face, I should be at peace with what goes on. And here's the reason why. Because I know that regardless of what I face, that my Redeemer lives that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and he offers me life and that regardless of the pain and the sorrow and the struggles and the difficulties that I can walk through life with peace and with joy and with hope because there's great hope in the resurrected savior the one who we acknowledge the one who we sing about at christmas time the one who christmas is about And so when I say Christmas isn't canceled, we make sure Christmas isn't canceled by making sure that Christmas is focused on the right things. Like I go back to last week and I think about the Sears catalog. I mean, I know I'm dating myself. I saw somebody post that recently this week on Facebook, and I'm like, bro, that was me. Like I used it last week, but man, when that Sears catalog came out like October, I'm making a list a mile long, all of which I never got. (laughs) Not true. I'm sure I got some of it. There were a lot of things like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Like, I I kind of miss that. I I miss our kids being able to grab the Sears catalog and lay down on the floor by the TV and start writing things out. But here's the truth. God gave us the good news of Jesus to be able to share it with others. And that's the point of Christmas, and that's why Christmas can't be canceled, regardless of what goes on. We live in a cancel culture that wants to cancel everybody for everything under the sun. When the Bible is very clear that we should be people of forgiveness, people of grace, people of love, people of mercy, but people most of all who are obedient to God regardless. And so we can share the good news with joy, even if people reject us, because that's the message of Christmas. And that's why Christmas can't be canceled. People can try and steal your joy. People can try and steal your peace. People can try and and cast fear into you. But when you don't give in to fear and you say, I'm going to be obedient to God no matter what, I can walk through this life with joy, with confidence, with peace, and with hope. Because regardless of where I'm at, God will always take care of me because God's favor goes before me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in the sending of your son, Jesus. And God, I know at Christmas time, it can be overwhelming, we can be worried, we can fret, we can fear over what you want to do. But God, I pray that just as we looked here of the four do not be afraid statements, that in some way today, Lord, that your word spoke to us, that your spirit convicts us, that God, we cannot walk through this life with fear, but we walk through it with peace and with hope because we know that you have great things in store, that your favor goes before us, that peace will rest upon those upon whom your favor rests. And so, Lord, we ask that this Christmas would be a joyful time, a time of peace and of hope. And Father, I thank you for each and every individual here today. And maybe there's somebody who doesn't know you, does not know you through your son, Jesus, God. Maybe they could just simply, where they're at today, they can acknowledge that the Bible says that if you confess with your, ha- your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so maybe that's what you need to do today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with this song. And as we close with this song, if you feel like you need somebody to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. We have, we'll have me up here to, to pray with you. If there's some struggles or some difficulties, maybe you're dealing with fear, maybe there's a lack of hope. If you need somebody to talk to, we'd love to talk with you. Don't let the song, as the song's done, we'll, we'll close out with that. But if you want to talk with somebody afterwards, we'd love to talk with you. Love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. Don't give in to the fear that has so often stopped so many in their tracks. Let's close with the song.